You're listening to Black Neon Digital Podcasts, Episode 6, Professor Rebecca Early, Circular Textiles and Sustainable Choices. Welcome to Black Neon Digital Podcasts, a series of thought-provoking conversations with the people behind businesses and brands that make a difference. I'm your host, Jodie Muta-Hamilton, and I'll be getting to know visionaries who are at the forefront of fashion tech and ethical style. I'll also be exploring our relationship with technology and the impact it has on craftsmanship within the fashion industry. I believe the future of fashion is to find a holistic approach that harnesses technology whilst keeping crafts alive, to push the boundaries of possibility and to support each other to create businesses that can provide growth without harm. I hope listening to our discussions inspire you to be the change, start the business you've dreamed of, discover new ways of thinking and connect with other like-minded people who are doing something in their own vision to make a difference. Come on the journey with me, keep listening, subscribe via iTunes and SoundCloud, join the conversation via Instagram at Black Neon Digital, Twitter at Digital Neon and our website blackneondigital.com. I first heard Professor Rebecca Early speak at an eco-sessions The Crisis of Stuff event at Beyond Retro in July 2016 and I contacted Becky the following week. I was blown away by how passionately she spoke about her research and what it could mean in practice for us individually and on a global scale. We've all heard of concepts such as buy less, choose well, make it last, take your old clothes to the charity shop or recycling banks and buy vintage. But what else is there from a design and production perspective for brands? And what can we do as consumers to really make a difference? Well, I believe Professor Rebecca Early has the answers. Hi, Becky. Thanks so much for joining us today. It's a real honour to have you here. I've heard you speak a couple of times now, and you always ignite such a spark of wonder and intrigue in the audience with your delivery of concepts. Before we get into the detail of how to create a more sustainable textile and fashion industry, would you be able to let us know a bit more about your personal journey to date? Yes, sure. Um, Thanks for having me here, Jodie. It's lovely to see you. Um, I trained as a fashion textile designer in Loughborough in the Midlands um, up until sort of the early 90s. And then I moved down to London and did my master's in fashion textiles at Centre St. Martins. And uh, when I finished that in 94, I set up my own label, Be Early, and worked through a series of really exciting projects and commissions before finally landing up in research, in in teaching and in a university. Um, And I'm still in the same university 21 years later. That's University of the Arts. London at Chelsea College of Arts and I'm now a full-time professor specialising in how we can use design to reduce global impacts. Speaking of journeys, you recently in Stockholm with Kate Goldsworthy at Philippa K testing circular design speeds, fast and slow circular fashion systems, which have two approaches that are deliberately extreme opposites. Can you tell us a bit more about how this works in practice? Yeah, sure. Um, the the Meester project has been fantastic. We've been involved out in Sweden since 2011, working in brands to try and understand how they can design better at the outset, really. And it's brought us to this point in time where we're focusing on 
total recyclability. So any brand that we're working with should be able to put something out into the fashion system and receive it back, know what's in it, know how to reprocess it and give uh, their consumers the best possible value along the way. And because of that sort of understanding uh, of how brands work, we also realise that some products um, are naturally slow and some will move through a circular system quite quickly. Um, we, there's some great work uh, uh, from about 10 years ago from Kate Fletcher and from Matilda Tam who began to look at the user's wardrobe and understand this. So we know that some kind of trendy party tops may um, just last one year with us, maybe less, and that some coats will definitely invest in and want to keep for five years. Well, we wanted to kind of unpack that from a design perspective and really understand how you can design with intention and how you can also design the systems and the user's experience and sort of the loops back to the company. So whilst the idea of product speeds isn't particularly new, it is new to bring a group of design um, uh, staff together at a brand and say, right, the next products you're going to put on the shop floor are going to be designed to last 20 years here's what's going to happen to them or this particular product only six months and here's why because we've done the research to show what's realistic and what actually happens mm -hmm. um, with our wardrobes and that from a design level can obviously influence budget allocation and production costs and so forth, can't it? As well as the physical, you know, drawing the design of a coat to be X or with fabric. Absolutely. Um, I yeah. mean, it's fascinating uh, to work in-house to see the level of insight that the design team has. And it's our job to bring that into a brief and a framework mm. and apply it to these concepts. But also, um, this is sort of where it's really exciting, is we bring in life cycle scientists and uh, material um, inventors as mm. well to work with us. So we can actually sort of say, you know, actually the impacts are going to be here. Therefore, let's tweak it here, reduce that. And, you know, and basically sort of it becomes a bit of a maths challenge to keep the numbers down whilst keeping the um, design team excited about the aesthetics. Uh, and interestingly, the other big challenge is to make sure it sells well, yeah. because this time we really want to see products go onto the shop floor that the consumers are desperate to have, mm -hmm. to keep, to hold, to be part of the system. Um, a lot of investment can often go into a sustainable product and it doesn't quite work. Mm. And so, you know, you might feel that that's lost input. So, so the proof of the pudding, I guess, is how, how well it sells ultimately, isn't it? As well as how long it lasts and so forth. Yeah, I kind of dread to take yeah. on that challenge, really, because <laughs> it's a quite a big ask, isn't it? I mean, if it's hard enough for the design team to get right, then it's definitely a big challenge for my research team mm. and I. But what we can do and what we are doing is really drawing out the ideas, the insights, um, the passions and the sort of embedded knowledge in this, in this team um, that we're working with at the moment. And it's profound. You know, some people have been there 20, 30 years. They know everything about every material they've produced. Mm -hmm. um, and we're sort of putting that into a model which we'll be able to leave with the company to work with. Yeah. And I think that's important. It's sort of, it's doing things now, but it's a legacy as well, isn't it, that, that you kind of can leave a company with and, and how that impacts the future. Um, 
going back a little bit in time now, you developed the 10. Can you describe what the 10 sustainable strategies are and how businesses, large and small, could adopt them in their ways of working? Yeah, so my team and I began working on the idea that we needed to really understand a lot more what the actual design decisions were in a material or a textile going into the fashion system. So almost if we could kind of extract the exact decisions and break them down and then mm, sort of check on them um, and work with them and innovate within each of those areas, we should be able to understand... um, uh, a kind of framework, I suppose, for designing better, just better. So we broke TED's 10 down into um, 10 strategies, which ironically was published in 2010, um, after about 14 years of research. Um, and these span everything from the uh, simple idea of just not producing something that is wasteful in the first place to producing things with lower chemical water energy impact, producing things that we know can be recycled more easily. There's a lot of problems there. Um, Right through to ethical production, how new technology can help us, to actually connecting textile designers and fashion designers with systems and service design so that we can start to see um, more efficient rotation of materials and products through to number 10, which is my personal favourite, which is design activism, which is really just sort of embracing the whole ethos that everything you make and everything you do has a campaign, has a meaning, has a a communication um, power behind it. And um, everything we make should really lead to some kind of positive change. So they they were very, very well researched. Um, They came out in 2010 and then quite quickly we caught the attention of some big brands. We made them into a set of cards in 2011 and we were able to then actually sort of lay them on the table and have really interesting conversations. So it was funny just kind of going from a theory to a tool opened up this whole new world for us. We were able to push a card forward and say, look, here's what we know that you're already doing really, really well. What about this? What about this? Should we leave that out the way right now? You know, it started to sort of unpack a really complex challenge for brands which was where do we start and every time we try to do something we get accused of greenwashing or the backlash comes back at us about all the other things that we're not doing so the cards enabled us to talk with them about how to build a strategy over time with an intention to continually improve and continually strive towards a more sustainable status um and so, yeah, just sort of breaking it down into a series of actions. Mm, manageable sort of chunks and yeah, actions yeah, that everyone can adopt. Do you, um, are these accessible via your website or how would small and large brands be able to, to get Absolutely. hold of these? Yes, you can just download them from the TED okay. Research website. Each strategy has um, a two-minute animation to under- sort of understand its key message. And uh, so you can print your own set off or you can buy sets of cards from us. They're in several languages as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're now in use all over the world with different universities and brands and small designers. Um, It's lovely to hear um, back from people and see on Instagram what they're using the 10 for. Um, And we've even started working with architects, product designers, automotive sector, 
because we realised what we developed actually was quite a sort of um, ubiquitous set of ideas. Mm. Um, however, there are new cards coming, so I'll just say that because... <laughs> it peeled, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you think you could tell us a little bit about the difference between your work and what's happening at the Centre for Sustainable Fashion at LCF? And do you have sort of crossover there? Um, yeah, just so we can, if we need to approach anyone, what's the difference? Yeah, it's great that we're in a university that has such a high level of textile material, fashion, um, craft expertise. So between Central St. Martins, Chelsea and London College of Fashion, there are several research centres that um, are able to really deal with these these research questions head on. Um, Centre for Sustainable Fashion um Obviously, fashion is the main driving force. Um, they have a broader understanding of what the impacts are and so are um, very um, active in campaigning and policy making and um, concerns for people and the supply chain um, and the language of fashion and the cultural implications of fashion. For us at TED, Textiles Environment Design, and the Textile Futures Research Centre, we're very much material-based and we're very much about materials staying in the sort of cradle-to-cradle constant circulation model. So borrowing the materials from the biological or the technical cycles and keeping them moving, keeping them rotating. It's a lovely philosophy because it basically means if you're a fashion brand and you're using a material, consider that you're just borrowing it. You're going mm. to use it for a while, do something to it, put it into the world. Think about then how it comes back into your loop and how it gets reprocessed and cycled. So I'd say that we're kind of maybe more about materials uh, and maybe Centre for Sustainable Fashion is, is maybe more about fashion, culture and people. Having said that, Dillis and I work side by side all the time at lots of different events. And um, I think the beautiful thing about this particular area is that we're also committed uh, to change that we don't care how we get there you know so collaboration is is absolutely key I think gone are the days to an extent where to get ahead you keep yourself separate and your production separate and everything I think now if more than ever is kind of time of collaboration isn't it really um, having said that a one-fits-all approach is not going to work for everyone how do we create a variety of better ways in which we can reverse the negative effects of disposable fashion consumption? It's a tricky area, isn't it? And it's um, highly contentious and almost moralistic. And in some ways, as material researchers, we're less interested in the moral message and more interested in the maybe the scientific or the technological um, facts behind impacts um, I'm not sure whether I can find much research that says that psychologically um, buying fast fashion is such a big negative in mm. fact I can find more evidence that it's a big positive it's um, a hugely popular um, pastime a activity almost, yeah. you yeah. know and, and dressing and changing ourselves and styling ourselves and making choices and connecting to friends. I mean, it's a sort of, you know, it's a culturally rich, progressive area. Mm. What we're in the middle of is understanding that having things that we can readily consume for the price of a cup of coffee means that other people in the supply chain are suffering. 
And it also means that we're depleting the Earth's resources and making pollution. So we have to decouple, I think, what the impacts are and what people's behaviour is about um, if we want to change. You sort of use the the word reverse. Um, and at first I thought, oh, no, you know, I'll say it's not about reversing. That's mm-hmm. impossible. But maybe maybe the way to sort of frame it is to say to flip it on its head, to turn it over. So what if in five years' time we were sort of saying, yes, this is my £10 shirt, but um, I'm wearing it for two months and then I'm putting it back into my domestic recycling box and um, I'm going to have another one sent to me and that's fulfilling my need for newness but I'm actually part of a material turnover that's being responsibly managed so I'm looking with the brands at ways in which they can have some areas of their business still having fast products serving particular people's needs without having a linear sort of cradle to grave story um And there are many ways to do that. There are material innovations, there are system innovations, but there's also the sharing economy. And I think that's where we can really start to understand that people can have change in their wardrobe. They can also buy things that they've invested in and they look after and they Mm -hmm. keep for a long time, but they can have things that move and change too. Yeah, and we shouldn't feel guilty for that either. It's like not everything does the same job, does it, essentially? We have so much to feel guilty <laughs> about these days. I mean, where do we start, really? You know, it is it is a lot to take on. And I think there is evidence, there's research to show that even the most um, environmentally conscious and aware people find it very hard to consume everything in their lives in the best mm. possible way, which is why we work with brands, really, because we kind of want to see some really good models out there, some things on offer to then drive other brands towards a profitable Mm. and environmentally beneficial change. But to offer users the opportunity to still contribute to the economy, but in a more captured and calculated and Mm. careful way. Yeah. Yeah. That said, do you think that there should be different approaches for high street and luxury fashion brands when it comes to adopting sustainable design and production practices? So can you treat them differently? And Yeah, yeah that's really important, isn't it? Because it's been one big kind of brush um, mm. tarring everybody. And, uh, you know, if you look closely, it's not the same challenge for those brands, for that spectrum from lower high street to upper luxury, the ch- the challenges are very, very, very different. And um, the impacts, therefore, from each product is very different. To, to have a product that is really well manufactured and made from good quality materials, but sit in a wardrobe after being bought for £1,500, unworn or only worn once or twice a year, That's not particularly good value for that individual, but there can be a recirculation of that product. It could be given to charity. It might be given to a friend. It might be um, sold through one of the many online platforms nowadays. So a well-made product should stay in circulation for a long time, but possibly not with the same owner. So really the effort going into the best possible materials and quality of labour at the outset is where the luxury brands 
need to focus. With the high street brands, the lower end of the high street brands, it's the fact that uh, the the labour in the supply chain is so badly paid um, and uh, treated. And we have to pay more for our cheap clothes. There's no doubt about that. And things like the Transparency Index and, and Fashion Revolution are doing a fantastic job to show us you know, what a fair price cop is and, and why we should pay for it. Um, having said that, their problems are different in terms of the way that the customer expects them to offer them choice. So the impacts in that case are spread um, through uh, a different part of the supply chain, if you like. They have, to, they have to source recyclable materials and they have to invest in reprocessing and they have to invest in offering value to the users, not simply just buying and leaving the shop, but coming back with stuff. That's what you do on a Saturday morning is you go, you go to the high street with bags and you then maybe exchange or swap or, or leave that for reprocessing and you take something else away. Um, they have to change their models much more than the uh, luxury brands. Africa, India and Asia are consuming fashion at an increasing pace, with brands moving in quickly to supply the demand. What responsibility can or should governments and brands take so that those countries don't end up the same way as the UK or US? Well, it's all about sustainable development, uh, and um, supply chain um, uh, standards. But also who's to say that they don't want to end up the same way as us and who's to say that that's kind of the wrong way as well? I mean, I think it's like trying to hold back the tide. Um, an evolving, emerging economy uh, has people in it who want to progress and show signs of their progression. Um Whilst I would hope that that might be boasting about how many yoga sessions they got to that week, it's more likely to be about what they're buying. It's just going to be about how the new um, economies show profit. So if there's more profit in building a sharing platform in an emerging economy in, an, in a new part of the city than in linear production we could be seeing a very different consumption pattern emerging. In order to sort of see that happen, we have to look at taxation. We have to look at how raw materials are sourced, processed and sold. And we need to start giving tax breaks on uh, recycled materials, really, and encouraging the reuse of resources. There should be no tax on secondhand goods, on, on recycled materials and there should be higher taxes on virgin resources um, so that we start to support and drive the recirculation. Then there'll be profit in the areas um, where sustainable fashion could be really good. The, the sharing economy in particular, a kind of Airbnb wardrobe model so that you can have aspirational consumption but with a very different model behind it. Recognising that there are different approaches globally to sales, marketing and business, as a brand, what would be the best way to access information that can help us to design more sustainably and consider other cultures who we may sell to? 
I think it's just about knowing your customer, isn't it? And um, going out and finding the right kind of information. Any brand at this point that doesn't employ a full-time sustainability manager is, you know, in cloud cuckoo land. I mean, you, you need to have a small team really researching and find making choices in terms of which is the best direction to take, which standards fit their comp- company, their, their consumer profile. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it is difficult, but I think companies like Marks and Spencer's and Plan A have shown that you've got to get your team together and make a commitment, but let the rest of the world know that that's a commitment that is a, a process and um, that the intention is to build on it and to give the company time to change, mm-hmm. but to constantly publish results and constantly look for help and bring information in. I mean, if you look at what we're working on at the moment, it's um, funded by Sweden and yet we're actually able to embed ourselves in a company and um, feed back to them their progress and sort of hold a mirror up to their existing progressive strategies, help them build on those, but then they're prepared to publish that as a model for others to take on too. And we're even hosting on their premises sharing sessions. So there's this way that a company can act that is very generous to the rest of the industry. And that's a a real change, isn't it? That sort of wasn't the fashion industry that I sort of graduated into 20 years ago. Um, But in terms of standards, your original question and standards and certification, um, it is really complex. And I think you've got to have an in-house team just deciding which direction to take very, very um, much based on the products you're producing. Yeah, I think it's a really important point that you made about the not, you know, not being scared to say we're not perfect. We're getting there. We're working on this. This is a work in progress because with the the fact that there are so many certifications and audits and bodies, you know, it can be really hard to choose one of them, what direction, and then feel that you're going to be Bat, you know, battered and held accountable to something that is is an ideal, but it is a working towards and a progress. And like you've said, it's a collaborative effort with everyone in the industry, not just you know one one company working towards something. Yeah, it is interesting that Copenhagen Fashion Summit's happening this week, and um, uh, there will be a new report uh, coming out, uh, which is a about basically rating the fashion industry on its progress. Um, And I think scoring can actually help quite a lot. I'm sort of um, very much into being able to show progress numerically. I can't believe I'm sort of saying that as a sort of an artist and designer. But we've been able to see progress with the brands we've worked with, with whenever we've showed them scores. Mm. They need, they need to see a profit margin, they need to see progress rated in some way simply to help the argument further up the management chain sustainability in brands needs investment and it often comes from the ground up a small group of committed people that want to make a change they have to argue their case you know and you've got to get right to the top to the ceo and in those conversations you have to be able to talk numbers so i think being able to score a brand on how it's performing at the moment and be able to commit to a certain sort of number to improve against and then show your progress is a way to be able to argue your case and find funding and and um, keep moving, really. 
on the um, innovation and sort of movement towards a better industry, um, there appears to be a lot of in innovation and things happening in the textile and production recycling sort of areas. But what else is what else is out there? You know, what else can technology do aside from textile production? Um, it's yeah. because it's the fashion textile industry uh, and all the impacts are coming from the production phase. Um, it's inevitable that the, the innovations are going to be around fibre, fibre recycling, um, colouring, dyeing, printing, finishing, uh, and then reprocessing. I mean, they are the big ones. And um, whilst we've seen an explosion of activity, the challenges and the problems are massive. Quite simply, you, we don't know half the things that go into our materials. If you're using 100% polyester, it still doesn't mean you can necessarily recycle it perfectly. You know, you, you will have every material will have additives in it. So this kind of technology we need is the track and trace technology so that we actually are able to sort of keep tabs on what we're putting out there and then what we're reprocessing. Um, and alongside that, sorting technology too. I mean, it's very underdeveloped uh, and we need to be seeing more ways of um, noticing, noting what materials are coming back to us and therefore what route we can send them on. I mean, it's kind of hands-on still, mm. really. There's been some um, sonic and, and laser and light technologies that are sorting some materials, but... Um, microscopic investigation unbelievably labeling too i mean we do need to see some technology around labeling because the information goes out on labels that people cut off you know and they're still putting heavy labeling in areas of a garment that pull it out of shape or that scratch the back of your neck and as a user you are going to cut it off well we do need more tagging to to make sure that we um can keep track of of what's in that garment and, and connect to sort of platforms where this information is held. But have you seen any good examples of that? Because I know there have been things that have come and gone and kind of not had as much uptake as we'd like, but have you seen anything that's in your mind worked particularly well? No, I think with everything, it's sort of, a bit, it's sort of, it's sort of like climbing Everest, isn't it? You have to send out f quite a few parties before the, the, <laughs> the successful ones actually reach the top. Um, and those pioneers are, of course, the most important people in the industry because without the pioneers who go out there and fail, then, you know, no one ever gets mm. to the top. Um, it's really, at the moment, the excitement's around RFID tagging uh, on a micro scale. And I think that the Global Change Award winners this year from the H&M Foundation were um, very savvy to pick up on that collaboration between Nottingham Trent University and uh, the US so that we could actually start to see it at fibre level. Um, I think that'll help for some products, but by and large, we just need to reinvent this recirculation system so that the millions of tons of clothing coming back into warehouses all over the world have more lucrative resale loops built in. So I'm particularly interested also in reverse resources, which is by and large pre-consumer waste rather than post-consumer, but it means that... If you're in the manufacturing business and you want a material and you're making something, you can you can track how to get your hands on that material. It's another company's waste. It can come directly to you. Um, 
a kind of industrial symbiosis system. You know, there are so many uh, online platforms and young entrepreneurs that could build these flows for us um, so that one person's waste is another person's gold. Um, yeah, technology has a big role to play and we've only just really started with the relationship, I think, between the circular economy and fashion, textiles and technology. Yeah, it's. I think it's going to be an exciting well, five, ten years at least, for mm. sure, on the technology front. Um, as we've discussed, there are so many factors that can lead to long-term lasting change and commitment to an ethical and sustainable fashion industry. However, the two that seem to be the top of the list are implementing legislation and making sustainability directly relatable to business profits. We touched on it a little bit earlier on, but... Um, how how do you think we can get involved in sort of pushing forward legislation and yeah working towards a business making it a top priority it's um that's really not my area of expertise it's uh, you know you asked me earlier on about center for sustainable fashion um i think they do a great job campaigning and looking um for workers rights and uh for women and their identity in culture in particular um but for me, legislation would have to, you know, our involvement in legislation would have to be around what kind of uh, new materials are produced, where they're shipped and who's using them. I'd like to see some support around local, more localised circular economies emerging, um, as well as sort of trade deals between European countries around recycled goods and uh, fibres as well. But it's... um. It's a big ask. I mean, you're asking a designer turned researcher turned professor about, you know, legislation. And um, I think after working with the policy researchers in the first phase of the MISTRA project, we realised that some of our ideas do translate well. Um, and possibly just the way we work is the offer that we have. Um, there's some great researchers at University of the Arts London, one in particular, Lucy Kimball, who works with policy and service and system design. So actually taking the designer's toolbox into a cabinet office and saying, designers work like this, it improves collaboration, it leads to innovation, you can spot the gap, you can... And actually taking those methods and tools into the people who are the big decision makers. So that's where I think we might have um, impact in the future, is doing much more of our designerly ways of knowing and design thinking design-driven material innovation techniques with more influential stakeholders. As a driven, dedicated woman who is making an impact in the world, what advice could you give us on coping with the demands of your work, let's say your calling in life, and balancing that with your own well-being and family life? Oh, thanks for asking that question. It's a nice one to answer because it's sort of... Um, not often considered to be part of this kind of subject matter. But as our previous conversations um, have taken place, Jodie, we, I think we both know that we have to be sustainable individuals. We have to understand well-being and balance uh, and fairness um, and healthiness in order to really have a balanced view on what sustainability might mean in an industry that's so 
volatile and driven by emotions and um, aesthetics. So for me, everything from uh, exercise to food to um, dividing my time between work and life, saying no quite often to things, um, and just having the priorities sort of straight in my head that there's sort of no point to any of this unless uh, my team and I are all healthy and supporting each other and working to our best possible um, ability. And lots of my team are are mothers to young children. And so probably uh, we more than others might focus on well-being and work-life balance. I actually get coaches in to support us on that because we're sort of a little bit victims of our own success in that we actually now have to travel a lot of the time. We have to do quite demanding uh, workshops and um, situations, events like the conference we had recently, um, and that can really take its toll. So we're very careful, and we think that that's we think that that's actually related to sustainability and user behavior and we don't go impulse shopping probably as a result of it to sort of put it simply you know if you're more balanced and conscientious about your well-being and life in general you don't tend to make rash decisions and indulge in uh i don't know just sort of throw away culture quite so much but that's not to say that i don't buy (laughs) <laughs> new clothes I do I, I do all kinds of things I mend I make my own I'm knitting at the moment I'm loving knitting um, I buy one or two nice pieces a season that I've kind of scouted and looked for and thought about um, I love secondhand so I, I have I live in a great area of London in West London where there's fantastic secondhand shops um, and uh yeah, I'm just quite quite thoughtful about it, I suppose. I, I have a very... Um, I spend time with my wardrobe. I kind of pull things out. Probably my best innovation in that sense as a consumer was to put these very beautiful Danish knobs on my wall on which I hang outfits. So when the kids go out to sport on a Sunday morning, I have Radio 4 on and I work through different looks. And that sort of sense of newness I can get from just styling my own wardrobe means that I'm not quite so likely to go looking for something um so that's been really good when you could find the time make the time to do it yeah it's hard thank you so much Becky for your time today and for your continued dedication to more sustainable future it's people like you working behind the scenes in industry that really are making a difference for now and for our future generations thank you thank you thanks for having me Jodie I hope you've been inspired by today's podcast with Professor Rebecca Early. As consumers, designers and business owners, we have the ability to make a real difference. Putting into practice design models and ideas such as we've discussed today is a next step for taking inspiration to realisation. All links and info will be online at blackneondigital.com. Join the conversation, tell us your story and be part of our growing online community via Instagram at Black Neon Digital, Twitter at Digital Neon and our website blackneondigital.com. <laughs>